Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, happy, happy New Year to you. I trust many of you have had a good rest. Some of you probably have gone for holidays, and some of you are just maybe planning to go for holidays the next uh, few days. You know, a few weeks ago, we uh, managed to catch a direct flight uh, to Vancouver. Now, as the flight took uh, off later than the original time, it meant that we had about just about 15 minutes before boarding time. Now, while en route to um, the Sydney um, International Airport, it suddenly dawned on me that I left my backpack on the plane from Melbourne, which contained my computer, some of my warm clothing, and all the cash is in it. Now, after frantic running around, we finally got some help. A few options were uh, worked out. One was to get a taxi, leave the, uh, the airport, go to the domestic, and pick up from the desk uh, where my bag would be waiting for me. But that means getting out of the international airport and hopping onto a taxi which conveniently will be there, as you see in some of the movies, when you know the heroes that come up, the, 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 the spot is just right in front of them. Now, the next option was uh, to get on board the plane, and Qantas will bring the pack to me uh, over in Vancouver. Or I could wait for my bag, um, get on, on uh, what, sorry, I would wait for my bag, and if it does not turn out, then um, I'll take the next flight, which will take like 30 hours instead of the 14 hours which we're about to leave in a few minutes' time. You know, Elaine, um, when I asked Elaine and all her, her words of wisdom was, wait and see. I just lost count of the number of times I look at my watch. By this time, it's about 20 minutes before the plane was going to take off. So we decided that best, uh, uh, it would be best for Elaine to uh, check in. And I just resigned to the fact that perhaps I will have to miss this flight and take the next one out. You know how glad I was when the airline uh, staff brought the bag. And by then I had something like 10 minutes before the, to get to the plane before it takes off. Ran to the departure gate, waited uh, for my backpack and overnight bag uh, to be scanned, which, you know, somehow it seems forever. And then waited through the line and somehow the person in front of me had problems with the, the passport. Again, it seems like forever. And I was one of the last people to get on the plane. I was most thankful and I, that I just made it. And... I suppose maybe they thought of all my troubles, you know, when I got on, they directed me to the, the first class uh, section. I said, wow, this is strange. And you know, as you go to whether business class or the first class, straight away they come and bring you or drinks the champagne, which I needed badly from, you know, <laughs> the running around. <laughs> but then I, I had to need a drink, and um, then I found that I'd given them my boarding pass from Melbourne to Sydney, which directed me right to the front. Oh, which was good. Maybe I should have just uh, kept on that boarding pass. You know, forgetfulness is not 
a respecter of age. And we can get into all sorts of problems and troubles. And therefore, we come up with all kinds of ways and means to remember. Post-it notes, day planners. And most of us do need little help, uh, little help to, uh, to remember things. You know, after the incident of the backpack, I remember to check and recheck that I have my backpack with me all, all the way um, to Vancouver and leaving Vancouver to, to get to Elaine's parents' place. You know, the children of Israel had this history of being forgetful of what God has done for us. And this morning, as we have just read, I'd like to consider from the book of uh, Joshua. And it says that in verse 1, after the, the death of Moses, the servant uh, of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Moses, the son of Nun, Moses saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now arise to go over to Jordan. And this is the land which I'm giving to them and the children of Israel. And every piece that your soul of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as to the great river, the, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, to the going down of the sun, shall be yours, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses. So be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong for good courage. For to this people you shall divide as inheritance the land which I sold to your fathers to give them. Now as you see, this book of Joshua begins with the children of Israel camping on the east side of the river. And they were awaiting God's command to move forward and pass through the river Jordan to go into the promised land. Now, as we know that Moses, uh, Joshua had been with Moses throughout the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. He was at Mount Sinai when uh, Moses received the Ten Commandments. And Joshua was one of the, the 12 spies who checked out the land of Canaan. Now, of the older generation, only he and Caleb were permitted to cross the river into the Promised Land. Now, on the eve of the crossing over, what were on Joshua's mind? What were on the people's mind? You know, while there is anticipation of going into the new territories, I wonder if that hype was somewhat dampened by the memories of the 40 years of wandering because of their disobedience and unbelief. Perhaps all the excitement were lessened by the memories of yesterday's failure, of yesterday's sins and the blunders they have made. You know, it's hard to live in the present with the, uh, when the past keeps harassing us. So many things have happened in the past years which we feel uneasy or regret, angry or confused. And all these feelings often uh, is colored with guilt. Guilt that says, you ought to have done something other than what you have did. Or you ought to have said something other than that what you said. 
You know, this ought to just pull us back to an unalterable past where we continue to sort of steamer and stew in it. And this ought to keep us uh, feeling guilty about the past so much so often it just prevents us from experiencing the, the joy of the moment, of the present. And just what's happening today, the past just keeps nagging us, just keep making us feel guilty of what we have done, what we shouldn't have done, what we have said, what we shouldn't have said. You know, if the past fills us with guilt, the future and the days ahead often fills us with worries. And there's, there's so much unpredictability what the future holds, so much unknown. Lands to be conquered, enemies to be fought, and huge challenges were just ahead of these people. You know, our worries often fill our lives with what ifs? What if I lose my job? What if the economy goes down? What if war breaks out? You know, at the end of the year, we turn with eagerness to all that the new year has to offer. And we wait in eager expectation uh, for the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year. You know, we look forward to all that, what God has installed for us for 2023. Yet anxiety is apt to arise when we remember our yesterdays. And our enjoyment of God's grace and blessing tends to be lessened by the memory of yesterday's sins and yesterday's blunders and yesterday's failures. And of course, we're just frozen with news that there are days filled with a polycrisis that will come about in the year 2023. You know, it's true that the past is unalterable and the present is unpredictable. You know, God often reminds us of the past to protect us from a very uh, shallow existence in the present. He allows the memory of them to turn the past into a ministry of spiritual growth. What we have done, well, it would, to help us move forward that we will not repeat such follies again. You know, as the children were about to go to a, a sort of new beginning, new lands, the Lord gave them two timeless truths that they must never forget. They must remember, do not forget this timeless truth. Now we read that um, God himself told Joshua that day, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all, do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now the first important truth concerns the book of law. Now this we know is in reference to Joshua's Bible which was the first five books of our Bible. But nonetheless, God's word was be the center thing in Joshua's life. Now, these five books, you know, is often referred to as the Torah. And it seems the essential meaning of Torah is just teaching, which occurs more than 200 times in the Old Testament. 
And apparently when this word is rendered um, in our, well, it's rendered in our English language, in its various forms, it's translated into instructions, doctrine, regulation, direction, a precept, a statute, or a divine law or a human law. The idea being that the Torah is a means of teaching by which one could reach spiritual, a spiritual ideal. Now, if Joshua would keep the Torah, then he would be successful and prosperous. Now, if we consider Joshua's responsibility, he has something like two million people under his care. He was probably one of the busiest men who ever lived. The law that Joshua was given was very detailed, and God expected him to learn it, read it, meditate on it, and to apply it and obey it. Now, this was how God made sure that Joshua's soul would be fed and how we grow and cope with the demands that is ahead of, of them. I think similarly, we need to do as such to continue growing, be successful, to cope with the challenges that's ahead of us. You know, the instruction to Joshua was to meditate on God's word day and night. It was not just a reading about it, well, part of it, but it's about meditating on it and letting God's word uh, saturate his spirit. You know, being um, spirit-filled starts with being scripture-saturated. And as we align our thinking with the biblical teaching, applying its truth to our daily life, we come to an increasing, um, um, become increasing under the control of the Holy Spirit. Rather than just so often we read the verse, you know, we need to have more of the Spirit in Ephesians. But rather, if you, the translation means, is rather that the Spirit have more of us instead of us having more of the Spirit. Now, as we submit to God's word, the Spirit leads us to live a life that honors the Lord, and that is success. That's prosperity. You know, we often um, understand meditation as an act, just we sit passively in a quiet corner just to ponder and meditate, and then maybe uh, to uh, engage in some sort of a mental exercise uh, uh, and concentrate on one's breathing and to a repetition of mantra for the purpose of attaining a, a spiritual um, awareness. But in the Bible, it's interesting that this word meditate in the Hebrew, uh, besides this meaning of just to ponder and to meditate and to mull uh, and to muse, it suggests an act of to murmur, to mutter, to growl, to coo and to sigh, to mourn and, and to, uh, to roar. It almost describes the morning, uh, low moaning sound of the dove or the growling uh, sound of the lion which has trapped its prey. Now, it seems to me that to meditate on the word of God is more than just sitting passively in a room quietly with our thoughts and ponderings. And this word meditate appears mostly in the Psalms. And as we read through it, the psalmist here we see was in, uh, involved in an intense dialogue with, with, with the Lord. It was rather very engaging exercise with the word of God. 
is more than just reading the Bible, but reading that caused such an in such an intense wrestling within our soul. And when that happens, once the Bible was just so many words to us, but then suddenly the words become spirit and life because the Lord speaks them to us in our circumstances to make the words new and anew. You know, some of us... uh, they say, I've meditated on God's word. I may have faithfully listened to sermons on Sunday. I've even memorized many scriptures, but it hasn't made my way prosperous, nor given me any success. Now, the thing is that this verse does not promise success on just listening and meditating on the word. Now, if you look at verses 7 and 8, notice that the Lord delivers this to Joshua. He said, be careful to obey. Thank you. Be careful to obey all the law. Further down, do everything written in it. I think this is where um, many of us get undone. And this is the difficult part. We do not apply what the word of God tells us to do. We have not obeyed and submitted to the word of God and allowing scriptures to permeate our hearts and our minds and our whole being. Our behavior is conducted under a different pattern from what the Bible says. And I'm first to acknowledge that often I just rebel at what the Bible tells me. You know, it's been said that men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. Rather, man rejects the Bible because it contradicts them. You know, often, um, um, if you go to to the supermarket, looking for fruits. But this time, instead of shopping for fruits, you are shopping for principles. You see, um, as you go along, you see, oh, there's this section, there's, there's some joy. Well, I like to take that. I always love joy is good. And you come to another section, wow, love, love is good. I always like that. Oh, patience, not that. I have enough of quarter, I might feel of quarter for the day. Oh, gentleness. Now that thing is giving me heartburn and, you know, it upsets my stomach. Forgiveness. You've got to be kidding. I'm not in the mood for that today after what happened before I came to church. You know, so often the Ten Commandments are just ten suggestions. We do it if it suits us. And we forget, uh, we will explain it away and forget if it does not suit our lifestyle. You know, it would be convenient if we pick and choose which of God's principles and laws we will follow and ignore those we found it too demanding or too harsh. You know, now there's actually how often we, um, the word of God, we have so opened it so wide to try to bring, and bring everybody in. And how often you, in church where it says, all you need to do is to say the sinner's prayer and it'll be all right. What about repentance? What about sanctification? We have so watered down the word of God. You know, we are reminded that we are living in the days of the soon return of our Lord. And before that, our Lord says that, you know, there will be many false Christs, false teachers, and false prophets. Our Lord himself says, for false Christs and false 
prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And I remember that about, uh, about a couple of months ago, um, and when we were in um, Vancouver, um, there was a pastor who came up and said that, you know, the coming midterm elections in U.S., when they had some vacancies for, to, for, to fill in the Senate and in the Congress, that it's going to be the red wave, it's going to be a red tsunami. The Republicans is going to take over the House and it's going to take over the Senate. That did not happen. And this commentator asked the pastors and pointed out two things. This pastor was so adamant that it's going to happen. And this, pastor, uh, this commentator told the pastors, Either your God lied, or you're talking about a different God. You know, in uh, Deuteronomy 18, the Lord himself told the Israelites, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in my name of other gods, that prophet shall die. No, we are told here that an inaccurate prediction made while claiming that they relate to a revelation from God constitute a very, very serious crime. Not only was uh, uh, the wrong message proof, uh, positive proof of that that so-called prophet is a fake or fraud, but it also meant under the Old Testament law, he was worthy of a death penalty. You see, God does not take likely the offense of those who wrongly presume to speak on his behalf and say, God spoke to me. Thus said the Lord, God told me this. Or God has spoken to me when the Lord has not spoken at all. And often actually when mixed around in um, the Christian uh, community and how both have a word of prophecy, well, does the God says, um, have God really spoken? And he's so keen to be out there telling, you know, there's a word from God for you, for me. You know, I just uh, was, um, remember when I was in Canada, there was this um, chap who went uh, fishing you know, there's snow and you've cut a hole. He got all his equipment and he's going to do fishing. He went and fished and then he heard a voice that says, there's no fish under the ice. Ooh, that's strange. He went to another place, cut another hole and then the voice came again. There's no fish under the ice. Not happy. Went to the third place, cut a hole. Again, the same message um, came to him. There's no fish under the ice. And then he looked up, Lord, is that you speaking? He said, no, this is the manager of the ice skating ring. <laughs> How often we presume those impressions and so forth, we hear things from the Lord. But Lord said, no, you check them out. You know, the Lord obviously um, expects us to take all these warnings of false teachers and false prophets seriously and to guard against being deceived. And how much we need to be grounded and to understand the word as we go forward in the days ahead with all this uh, um, false teaching that's coming. 
and people who represent uh, who says that they represent God. You know, so Joshua was to walk closely with the Lord along the line of His word. So the written word was the supreme authority and guide to his living. Meditating on it, reading it, studying it, thinking about it, obeying it, and acting on it. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And one of the things as we go up into the year, one of the things you never forget and to remember the word of God that guides us along the way. <clears throat> now we come to the second timeless truth and it is God's presence now it says in verse 9 be strong and be of good courage do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go now, you know, we cannot talk about um, the presence of God without talking about his power and his providence. Now, it's interesting that this word providence apparently comes from this Latin verse, providita. Now, we all, um, all, all are well aware that when you have this prefix pro in front of the, a word, it means before or ahead of time. While this word, vindita, means to see, to, to see. And that's where we get the word um, video in our English language. And when you put those two words together, we have what we call seeing ahead of time, which is what our Lord God Almighty does. He sees events ahead of time, like just a video just appearing, and he, he can just stop uh, and stop. This is what happened at this point of time. God is sovereign and is in total control. He knows exactly how things will pan out. Now, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites were eager to enter the promised land. But first, they crossed River Jordan. And it was spring. And at this time of the year, the river overflows its banks. Now, God gave them a specific instruction. In order to cross over, the priests first have to step into the fast-flowing river. And it seems God chose the time when the river was at its highest, at its widest, at its deepest, and its uh, swiftest to demonstrate his sovereignty, his power. And he was going to part the water so that the entire nation could cross onto dry land. Now, I could just imagine those people holding their breath as the priests were about to take the first step. But as soon as the priest's um, feet touched the water's edge, the water stopped flowing. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of Jordan while 
all of Israel crossed on, on crossed the, the river. Now, how long will you think uh, it will take for two million people plus their cows and sheep and to get across the river? Now, if I were back, you know, of course we don't like to come to the front. We always you know, like to sit at the back. And if I were there, you know, I would probably be at the back uh, and thinking, wow, this is not going to last, you know. They will all get to dry, dry ground and probably, you know, the last few will get soaked. But then it just stayed dry. Nobody got trampled on. Nobody panicked. There was no, uh, in the passage, uh, if you read in chapter 3, there was no indication of panic or fear as the people made their way across River Jordan. No, faith in what the Lord has said was more than just mere hope of uh, something un- unlikely may happen. Rather, it was that deep, deep internal um, uh, feeling certainly rooted in trust of what God has told them, has said to them. Everybody got across. The water was held in place until everyone crossed. Everything happened just as God said it would. You know, about um, 30 years ago, I had to make a decision whether to enter into the Christian ministry. And um, I was offered a position to work in, in Malaysia. Now, it was a struggle to make... Um, um, to make that decision and so-called, I've never considered that so-called career path. You know, Tony, our daughter, was born then. He was just about uh, uh, a few months old. We have just completed a major renovation to our house, which uh, effectively doubled the size of our place, and we're looking forward to enjoy it. Elaine had a good job with uh, NAB, and uh, we were very settled in New Zealand after seven years there. Got used to the way of life, the people, the culture, and everything. Life was good. Moreover, there were objections from our parents. And I still have the letter from from mom that says that that says to think carefully. Not rem- then one day I remember that when I applied to go to the Bible college, one of the reasons I gave why I wanted to attend the college was so that perhaps a possibility of go back to Malaysia to minister some point of time, but not so soon. Anyway, it was at that point, then it suddenly dawned on me that it's as if the, um, uh, the voice that says, like, now you just, did you just put that reason why you wanted to enroll in, uh, into the college so that you gain acceptance, or do you really mean it? So at that point, I said, yes, Lord, we will go. We will obey. We will go to Malaysia. Now, it's interesting that on the day of departure, the whole church was there to send us off. I think this can't be to see us off. <laughs> anyway, we presented our passports and tickets to the counter, and then our worst nightmare began. Sir, your wife's traveling document is not in order. The passport has expired. And um, we flew on Singapore Airlines and the Singapore Airlines, well, they said if, um, since you're on transit, if the um, Malaysian uh, authorities say you can fly, we could let you on, on board. So we called a Malaysian high comm in Wellington and was told that Elaine cannot travel on an expired passport. 
And what happened next was just amazing. The Malaysian embassy suggested we should come in person to renew. And they said, yes, she'll do that. Which is totally unexpected of a government agency. Considering that it was a Friday, it was about 2 p.m. in the afternoon, and the embassy was closing in an hour's time, and we had to take the plane from Auckland to Wellington, which is about 45 minutes. Well, the officer from the Singapore Airlines was most helpful, and he found out there was a flight leaving in 10 minutes with two seats to Wellington. Now, not only that, he assured us that, well, if you get the sort, documents sorted out, he will put us on the next flight out, which is the, the, the next day, which I found it a bit strange because 30 years ago, you have to wait for months before you get put on, uh, you get on a seat allotted to you. Anyway, Elaine caught the plane, which waited for her to get on. And by the time she got to the embassy from the airport with the taxi coming in, it was already closing time. The embassy was closed. And I was wondering, will they be still be open? Will everybody be there? But to her surprise, the group of staff was just waiting for her in the foyer. And they validated her documents there and then. And after that, the counselor said, would I mean to take you back to the airport? You know, the next day we went to the airport and uh, the church came up again, very happy to send us off. <laughs> and met the guy that, um, that helped us uh, the day before. We didn't have to queue up in a long queue at the economy section. Check our overweight luggage in, which is heaps overweight. And on the top, we were given an extra seat for a little girl. Humanly, you just can't arrange all those things. How is that possible? You know, God knows that it's in full control. And he says he's very present with us. And we have no uh, doubts when God reveals his intention to us. You know, this morning, what are the rivers or obstacles in your life that's stopping you from experiencing this wonder working of God as you go into the year? You know, your river Jordan will always be at its flood stage. The danger is obvious. The time is, is, is an impossible time. The timing is just out. The hazard is just beyond your ability to control it. And the situation will appear impossible to cross. But the decision need be made. Will we trust and obey? Or will we freeze and retreat? You know, God often wants us to get to the point where we trust him and step in and cross over. And it is human um, that we want to see the end. And, but that's not how it works. The thing is, we need to take the first step into the water. We need to trust in God's power. We need to believe in Him. You know, God provides no solution to our problems until we trust Him and move ahead with what we know we should do. The Lord will see you safely through, and He will not release the water until you have safely crossed the river. 
you know, we live our lives under the loving and the gracious and the uh, sovereign hand of God. And God works in every fabric of our everyday life. And he works in you and me in every generation and in every year and every minute of it. And the movements of our time in our everyday lives take according to what God has ordained for us. God knows and he is in full control. He's with us. That's why he tells Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And he said likewise to us as we go into the new year. So as we go forth in the coming year, let us not just dash your head and, and be all, even be frozen with what has happened in the past. Or maybe we just go forward with the intention knowing that our Lord will go before us. You know, our yesterdays may hold broken and irreversible things for us. But just leave all that behind. Step into the glorious future of God with him. Let, him, let the, the past just rest. And let us just rest in Christ as we journey with him. And God says that as you go forward, he'll keep watch over us. He'll not let us trip. And we need to remember there's no problem that's too small to escape his concern. And there's no troubles and no calamity that's too great uh, to resist his solutions. And to know that the Lord will go with us. He will go before us to show us the way. He'll go behind us to press us forward. He'll go beside us to give us the courage. He'll be above us to protect us. He'll be within us to give us wisdom and discernment in the days ahead. And this morning as we go out and venture on the days ahead, remember, do not forget <clears throat> to go into the year ahead when what um, God told uh, Joshua, be careful to obey all the law. Do everything written in it. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. I'm Father, as we go forth with the year ahead, Lord, often we are just uh, bogged down by the past. But Father, we just uh, know that whatever we've gone through may be just a learning experience as we step out into the days ahead where it turns not to fear, but to go, knowing to go, be guided by your word and guided by your presence. Father, as we go, Lord, that we may grow in the knowledge that your will is our greatest need and to know that you are our greatest privilege and knowing you is the greatest thing to know that you are with us all the days of our life and we go off with joy and with confidence in the days to come. We thank you for all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.